I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's East Side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. Today on What's Next, we have uh, two members of the Buffalo Urban League with us. Thomas Buford, Jr. is the president and CEO. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And also uh, Darnell Haywood, Jr., who is uh, the president of the Buffalo Urban League. Young professionals also with Bank on Buffalo. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Thank you for, for joining us. We've got a, a lot to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll just Let's just get into a generality about the Buffalo Urban League. Sure. What is the Buffalo Urban League? So the Buffalo Oregon Urban League is, one, uh, an affiliate of the National Urban League. We're one of about 90 affiliates, the Buffalo Urban League. We were established in 1927 here in Buffalo, so, you know, making our way towards a centennial. And, you know, we're principally concerned with empowering our community uh, and changing lives uh, through our many programs and services. Um, and when we talk about the community, we're greatly concerned with uh, black and brown communities and under, other underserved uh, you know, members of the population and uh, really helping them with uh, economic empowerment and addressing all of which, what we might consider social determinants of uh, health and wealth. A lot to get into there, and we're yes. certainly looking forward to, to uh, expanding on the discussion. I want to just turn it to Darnell just a little bit because although – here are the president of the Buffalo Urban League Young Professionals, as we mentioned, just talking, going up here. It's a full-time job, but yet it's not your job. <laughs> your it's, job is uh, with the bank on Buffalo. That's true. Well, how about the tell, give us a little overview of the Young Professionals then. Uh, so the Young Professionals is an affiliate of the Buffalo Urban League. Okay. So what we do is to empower young professionals ages 21 to 40 uh, through different programs, uh, different activities. I, I know we spoke earlier as well. But, uh, you know, a lot of times we're considered more so of a, a networking group, mm -hmm. but it's not. We we play hard, but we work harder. Right. So we, we want to develop that professional development, but as well as we do have different networking events as well. I'll turn that right back to Thomas then. The young professionals and that professional development, how important is that to the greater goals of, of what the the Urban League is all about? I mean, it's essential. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we were formed in 1927. So when you talk about any organization that has been around almost 100 years, uh, even with its mission, um, we consider us you know, not just an organization but a movement. And to do that, to stay relevant, you know, you always need to be bringing in the voice of youth. You always need to bring in the voice of the next generation. So the, uh, the young professionals is essential in that space. Uh, they bring in... Uh, through their networks, through through the uh, contacts that they have, the programming that they influence, um, and you know just what they bring to, just bring to the organization in terms of you know keeping us aware of what's important to them and for the next generation and uh, 
uh, you know, the, their, their demographic. So it's extremely important. And maybe we can open up the, this to both of you then. So let's talk about what that voice is, those young voices are saying right now. You know, what are you hearing, uh, uh, Thomas, when it comes to them? What, are you, what, what sticks out to you when you, you, know, when you're, you think the young professionals, the younger people that are getting involved in the Urban League, what is the, the message or messages that are coming your way? You know, many, many of whom are in a place where they're trying to decide on what their careers might be or advance their careers. And, you know, they are in some of the spaces that, uh, you know, many of many people, black and brown people, find themselves in is that uh, not an equal playing field. And, you know, we're, we're there to provide tools. So they're looking for guidance. They're looking for tools, for resources. And they are also looking at their individual and collective strengths in you know, helping to navigate through all these challenges, as well as being, you know, a, a advocacy, a voice of advocacy to make change to these policies and, you know, really understand what the process is to make change, whether it be through voting and, uh, you know, empowering um, who is creating uh, structures and also, you know, general awareness and, uh, you know, anything that they can do to help navigate, but also to help change the, the landscape as well. How about, I, you heard Thomas use the uneven playing field. I mean, it's not anything particularly new, but you're somebody, you know, you're a, a successful professional. You're working with these young professionals as well. Probably some maybe are at a certain level. Others are trying to navigate that on even playing field. What do you find with, with your group in that regard? You know, you you think of the different workforces that's out there, the different jobs, the different companies that's out there. And a lot of times um, within these black and brown areas you don't see, or even within these different companies, you don't see a lot of individuals that look like you or, or even look at the C-suite. You don't see a lot of individuals that look like you in those particular positions. And what we want to do is, one, to create programs, uh, do different networking events with these companies to let them know that you do have these professionals that's out there that are, one, educated to be in these specific fields as well. Um, can you go through maybe just reflecting a little bit on your time now you're you're been in the banking business now for almost twenty years, so you're you've got some experience. But when you were starting out, were did you feel that it, besides the fact that, like you said, you maybe didn't see people that looked like you, but did you have a sense inside some of those opportunities early on that this is going to be a tough road? You know, um, I will say for me, yes. Uh, the the one goal that I I set for myself personally was to every two years I wanted to achieve a different role within in banking and uh, whether it was to shadow with someone or um, even now the role that I'm in now I actually created my role at Bank Home Buffalo so um, every two years I shadowed and mentored with someone I chose someone as a mentor and uh, I mean it was difficult uh, because you would see other individuals being promoted at that time but and I knew I was qualified for that role but I still fought um, I learned that during the time I still was in school as well. So I was able to graduate, go to school, become uh, a manager in this particular role, oversee a department in that role. And yeah, I will say it, it was definitely difficult. Um, and even thinking now, uh, what I started in banking in 2006, and even looking now in 2023, uh, looking at a, a banking scope now, since I've been in banking, that's been my career. Uh, you still don't see a lot of uh, individuals of color in those higher roles. 
uh, and you have that talent that's out there. And we just need to let them know that, it, that we're out there and um, we're ready. And Thomas, uh, very much like uh, Darnell, um, maybe your um, your look doesn't uh, give away your age. Darnell, it's hard to believe he's been in banking 20, and I'm not sure how old you are, so I'm not going to ask. But that being stated, how about for you, your path uh, as you went along? what you know, How did you navigate through? And if you are a little bit older than uh, – then Darnell, oh, maybe yeah, was, you maybe you know uh, it was maybe even a little more difficult. Uh, no, no secrets here. And, and I'll just share with you that uh, I joined the Buffalo Urban League as a CEO in uh, 2020, fall of 2020, um, as it's only its fifth leader since 1927. So you know, we, I had some very tenured leaders uh, before me. My predecessor was there over 20 years, and you know, other great leaders, some over 30. Um, that said, prior to Joining the Urban League, I had a four-year career in banking. Oh, okay. So, so you know all about it. So a little bit about that. And, you know, started my career in New York City um, and uh, I joined and then I joined uh, HSBC, uh, which was, you know, here. But HSBC had um, an international management program. Um, a boy from Brooklyn, I was very, you know, I, I, I had my sights set on, um, I had a taste of it from, uh, a previous organization, uh, although they it was a more of a family-owned bank, and you had to be in in a circle to really um, get those assignments that took you or took you abroad. And uh, when I moved to uh, HSBC, or actually when HSBC acquired that hmm. that that company, um, they had actually had a program, and it was actually based on an application, and it did have some semblance of meritocracy, right? So. Uh. Um, you know, I, I applied immediately, and uh, that was probably in, in 1999. And uh, so I did have a chance to uh, work, live abroad, ex- expand on, um, expand on you know, my operations knowledge, bigger teams, bigger projects. So I worked in Asia for, for many years. I want to say the three years preceding me coming to Buffalo in 2006, I lived, in Indi- lived and worked in India. Oh my. Some time in Malaysia, China, just a, a few places, um, and we were headquartered out of the UK. That said, you know, I came here to Western New York, and um, you know, continued with um, com- continued to be involved within my firm with uh, diversity efforts. Um, <clears throat> that's when it was a diversity. It was only a D for <laughs> there was no before, E and I for <laughs> E and I and um, uh, some you know from some of the other letters. Um, but uh, involved in that and, you know, really involved in community. I've served on several boards here, um, m- mainly because, you know, I knew how important it was to, to have mentors, to um, be exposed to um, different, um, different opportunities, uh, to be exposed to just um, different experiences, life experiences. And um, I knew that, uh, you know, I wanted to be able to share that. You know, education certainly plays a part, formal uh, and academic education, but these other uh, nuanced um, experiences are also very, very important. Um, so, you know, as, as my career was uh, moving along, I wanted to be able to give back and share, you know, network and share what I could along the way. And, um, you know, and then this opportunity came along. But, you know, I, I echo what uh, President Hayward was saying about, you know, making sure that, um, you know, companies recognize the fact that there is this this cohort of individuals who's there who has um, 
who has um, you know prepared themselves for this opportunity and waiting for opportunities and and not just an opportunity for a job but um, to be put in uh, spaces for career advancement um, and uh, so you know we want to make sure that we're giving tools uh, to to help that along because they don't have the benefit you know of nepotism. Uh, cronyism, all these other informal just a little bit around, around all these there, informal huh? networks that exist, um, even with the right intent. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I always speak of you know there there is a lot of energy now through the DEI um, um, initiatives that say let's put let's promote let's put people in this in these spaces where um, you know they're getting these opportunities, but without the without these uh, supportive networks. Right, and then one of these things is that the objective there is to give individuals uh, this opportunity to succeed. Um, but without this uh, informal network, what happens is they may get just an, an equal opportunity now to succeed, but they don't always have the same opportunity to fail, and they need that as well, right? Because you know you you'll see that other people who are in these informal networks or have these informal networks available to them if they misstep or they don't understand something um then you know they have someone who might advocate for them they might have someone who they can sit down and talk it through and understand how to move forward and navigate through that um and for people who don't have that um it could be career ending right right so they get this they don't get the same opportunity to fail both are equally important and some of that is making sure that it's not giving them that opportunity but putting an infrastructure around them that's supportive how about in terms of uh success, Darnell, with your group. I mean, you're relatively new with this, but I mean, I know you've been involved with the Urban League prior to this as well, but, you know, are, are, is there that energy coming together that, that we're finding new inroads, you know, between, like you said, the, the networking of people who are in professional situations, are they finding other people to take along with them. Are we seeing that? Um, absolutely. You know, I, I think of the, the young professionals now. Uh, we This year we celebrated the 10th year of uh, the Buffalo Urban League Young Professionals. Uh, so we have the Urban League Young Professionals, but we also have the National Urban League Young Professionals as okay. well. So we, we fall under that umbrella. We're still an affiliate of the Buffalo Urban League as well. But um, just thinking over the last 10 years um, and all the individuals that may have been through or still in, uh, in the program may have aged out. Now, um, they've all, they're all in, in great careers. Uh, a lot of them are entrepreneurs. Uh, even I'll say even the immediate past president, uh, he's an attorney. Uh, we have someone who, who, who was the president before as well. He has a great podcast that's getting uh, national recognition. So, um, you know, you think of those different members that were part of the league that have now been able to birth their own career paths um, and are just flourishing now. Are there fields that are maybe a little bit more available in a professional sense for people of color that, and maybe others that right now are still, we're just not seeing that, like you said, the D, E, and I. I mean, is that, can we make a generalization about that or is that something maybe, maybe it's just uneven, uneven playing field that we're seeing all across the board maybe? Any thoughts? I, I don't, I would not say that there are any fields that anyone does not have access to, mm-hmm. but, you know, you know, part of the, Having the young professionals, also you know, grade schoolers, what we refer to as the little leaguers, 
and beyond the young professional, the guild, just having those auxiliaries, we're still always talking about pipeline. Right. Right. So it's also talking about how early is too early or how early is early enough to start, um, you know, exposing young people to things. Um, even if you don't expose it to them, really reinforcing that these opportunities are available to them. Not not anything definitive, but the fact that they have the opportunity to just accomplish anything they want to. And then also to nurture uh, their interest in certain things. If they have a nurture interest in the sciences, if they, um, you know, whatever you can see, whatever spark you can see or whatever spark you can inspire at the youngest age possible and begin to nurture that exposure um, sometimes is, is not as organic as it might be in other communities. So, um, you know, we need to start, you know, as young as possible to, to catch those sparks and, and nurture them and, um, you know, make sure that, you know, people understand uh, what some of the prerequisites are, what some of these strengths are that will, you know, move them through these through uh, some of these uh, latter careers. Um, and, you know, as, over time those things shift. Right. But um, it's really um, being there for our kids, making sure that they get b- the basic essentials, um, you know, and not just the learning, but being in a learning and supportive environment um, and trying to do that without um, safety fears, without um, things about food insecurity, housing insecurity, um, so that when they come to school, those things are not weights. Um, that they are, you know, con- for, you know, concentrating on right. learning and having just general great um, socialization experiences. How was this? Was there a spark for you that you can recall that that gave you kind of that idea that I can, right. I, I can be in this place? I mean, you're an no, international I, banker. I mean, yeah. So, 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 absolutely. I would say, you know, a lot of it began began at home. Um, I, I jokingly say that my mama was, you know, she would say, you know, you could, you know, son, you could be president. I don't know, you know, I don't know if she meant the president of the Urban League at the time, you know. <laughs> the president of something. Probably, probably the president of the United States. But now when I look at it, when I think about, you know, there's, there's probably still about, probably have a couple of good years that I can, you know, make something can happen, right? You <laughs> just never know. So, so no, so there's that. But certainly, um, uh, I, and, I, and I spoke about this recently uh, in, in a conversation I had with some people at UB. Um, I, and during my formative years, I would say that I had great examples of mentors. I have some of the best examples of what I should be doing. And I had, um, you know, equal and as important examples of what I shouldn't be doing. Um, But overall, I want to say that they were both, um, all of those influences uh, looked at me and probably um, had some type of you know offered some type of guidance right they none of it was malicious none of it was against me it's all of them were invested in in my success I had some great uh great school teachers believe it or not who um you know really really pushed me um you know through education and you know just other experiences beyond education like it's exposing me to um theater and to plays and to you know, books, and I just remember, you know, third grade or something, someone giving me a book and saying, uh, you know, Treasure Island, is, you need to read this, you know, just uh, getting to, um, you know, just ex- expanding my horizons um, and really supporting me in any ideas, any thoughts that I might have and um, continuing to push. And, you know, I've always had my own passion about um, about learning and I continue to this day to be um you know, thinking about continuous learning, continuous uh, improvement. I believe I would consider myself a lifelong student. Um, 
But um, you know, all those all those things are so so very important. And I can remember at various stages of my life, and you know, you don't sometimes don't get these uh, mentors forever. Your mentors are great. Advocates are even better. Mm-hmm. You know, the mentors are when you're around, they're saying things and they're promoting you. And advocates are the ones who are in those spaces when you're not. And if they see an opportunity, you know, they bring your name into a space and, you know, they're, they're um, you know, they're in, in, a, in, in places that will allow them um, to um, to make opportunities uh, uh, for you. So, and then, you know, if we prepare for them uh, and those opportunities come up, that's, you know, th- th- those are collisions of, of success, I believe. Let's uh, turn the, that same question on YouTube. Darnell, how about for you, the spark? What was the spark for you that got you going? Can you remember? I mean, I, I really enjoyed Thomas going, reflecting, especially I like that idea about not necessarily all the, the best advice and some weren't all that good, but they, you learned something from it anyway. How about for you? You know, I, and I, I'll say mine is definitely very similar. Um, you know, I just think of conversations I had with my parents and, you know, of course, your parents are going to say, you can do anything that you right. want to, uh, as well as, you know, I think of, of um, my pastor as well. He he would always, every time I would see him, would say, Mr. President, Mr. President, not knowing that I was uh, going to step into this role. <laughs> I have no idea. I, st- I haven't seen him since, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's seen it on, on social media everywhere. But um, also uh, mentors and advocates for me as well. Um, you know, my mentors always, I went up to them for anything. And even to this day, I still have uh, some individuals that um, I speak with that tell me, hey, you're doing something right. Hey, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> Rethink this. And I need, and I love that. I mean, you don't want someone that's always just saying, you're doing this good, doing this, keep going. But you always also want someone that's telling you, hey, maybe you should rethink this. Let's sit down and talk. Let's do that. And I and I have the, those people in my corner. And then also, you know, I think of too, like um, even within my banking, even at a time when I worked at HSBC, I remember um, when uh, Mr. Buford was over our, um, at the time, I think it was called the African-American Heritage Department. Oh, yeah. And he- At HSBC? At HSBC. And I remember seeing him and going to one of the things. And at the time, I knew one of our area managers who, she's moved to a different area. And I was like, what does he do? What does he do? I need to learn to see what he does. (laughs) I want to do what he he does. And even from from then, I was able to even, he probably doesn't know this now, but I was able to follow his career just to see different things that he's done in banking and even now we're connecting now with urban league which it's kind of working full circle now absolutely so, that's yeah. that's that's a that's a great that's a Definitely. great connection Definitely. there for sure how does that great. feel huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's the first time i've heard that um you know and wow that's wonderful um you nice. know that yeah that's something that's something absolutely you know? so uh uh yeah that's why it's important and just you know, keep doing this work and, you know, trying. You just don't, you just never know who's uh, who's paying attention. Well, it's um, got to feel I, I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to have to talk to him about later. He sprung that one on me. So. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, hey, we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, we're talking uh, with uh, from the Buffalo Urban League, their uh, president and CEO, Thomas Buford Jr., and also uh, Darnell Haywood Jr. from their uh, Young Professionals. He's the president of the Young Professionals, as a matter of fact. Uh, Thomas. I didn't get a chance to look it over, but the Urban League has a, a, a State of Big, a Black America, 2023 State of Black of America report. Can you give us uh, some of the the overview, some of the things that are coming out of that? Sure. 
So the state of black America, um, the, 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 the report you're referring to, is something that is uh, published uh, annually by the National Urban League. Now, there are certain affiliates that do their local state of, you know, like there would be a state of, of, of black buffalo. Um, and we have some great authors here some uh, who have done um, uh, published um, uh, similar um, journals around buffalo. Um, but um, the one that you're referencing or the state of black America in, in, in general, just talks to um, very high-level topics that are challenging. In this most recent, uh, in this most recent publication, I did also have the, um, the privilege, the honor and the privilege of being one of the contributing writers, uh, along with some, you know, very other, um, you know, influential people um, in, in, in mostly outside of the Urban League, uh, but we're look, we're looking at uh, you know just assaults on you know uh, on democracy mm. challenges to the voting process you know uh, challenges to you know denying the history of of black and brown people um, and um, you know just uh, through the you know through the educational process suppressing our history if you will. Um, and making it irrelevant with the book bannings. But all of these uh, aggressions, I won't even say that they're microaggressions right. at this point, but all of these things, all of these, this uh, systemic erosion of a lot of the advancements that were made towards civil rights, so, towards equality, you know, for, for all people, um, whether it be uh, based on race, um, gender, uh, just several... Um, rollbacks, if you will, um, on progress and just addressing that and the danger of it and just really trying to heighten awareness um, in that these things um, um, individually are alarming in and of themselves, but cumulatively, you know, they are, you know, a, a real um, aggressive, very aggressive threat and uh, building momentum and, you know, having a trajectory that's going against uh, you know, years, decades of, of of progress and, you know, improvements. No, it's not perfect, but to roll those things back and to consider um, what it took just to make, um, just to have those advancements, um, you know, that we should, you know, we should all be alarmed. We, you know, we should raise that level of alert. Um, and not only that, advocate and push back. Um, against it, you know, and it's being done, you know, not in some of the more um, kind of devastating and drastic ways that it was done in terms of violence before, but it's actually being legislated and appearing in some of our highest forms of the democratic government. You know, we're seeing these things. Um, uh, and so we have to make sure that, you know, we are not, uh, that we are very woke and understanding of all these things as they happen individually and collectively. You, as you were saying that, and you did say, you know, you see it, you see the issues, you see it, like you, you, you use the word trajectory. Is it your sense that there's not enough of an alarm about those issues right now in the general conversation that, that, that nobody, that not enough people, and I'm not just talking about people of color, mm -hmm. are seeing that trajectory and are as concerned about it as obviously you are and, and other leaders inside the Urban League? Right. I, I think, you know, I would not say that people are not alarmed, but also we have to make sure that as these things are happening, 
many of them were like just cracking the door open um, for something uh, that we know could be even uh, even more pervasive or even more damaging. You know, when we see uh, when we see uh, practices that, or when we see legislation um, at our, in our highest courts around um, uh, um, affirmative action in you know around a few schools and in their practices, does that open the door to people saying? You know, that become this very slippery slope into should we start uh, reducing or pulling away from DEI practices in other uh, in, in other institutions, right? Will that start to now um, creep into, you know, other people saying, well, you know, we, we, we're just going to um, start to back away from all of this progress that and momentum that has been made lately, um, rightfully slow, so, um you might say it's late coming, but, you know, it was going, and we talk about trajectory, it was going with the right level of um, momentum, the right level of volume and velocity, and, you know, we're building on that. And to have something that starts to reverse that in any way is uh, something that we have to look at, not only as the incident of what happened, but um, what that's opening the door to and making sure that it does not um, move the, and turn the tide and, and start to shift things in a different direction. Darnell, uh, you just you know heard us on that conversation, and I'm not going to ask you necessarily to review the uh, the state of Black America, um, the 2023 state of Black America report. But at the same time, you heard what, what Thomas was saying. I'm, I'm curious about some of your feelings about that, what you're seeing, and you know whether you have you know, like similar concerns and then maybe that's what you're hearing also from some of your uh, your peers well you know, when i when i think of even the last part um as far as like the dei efforts uh being changed you know thinking of a lot of corporations now and a lot of positions that had that chief diversity officer a lot of those roles are going away mm. um they they've combined them now for it to be you see now it as it more of a a corporate strategy as a uh, i think it's corporate responsibility where it's ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Uh, so a lot of your focus is not more so on diversity, uh, diversifying that workforce, but it's more so are you taking care of the environment? And then you have a little bit of, well, let's make sure that we're, we're social compliant. And then that last piece of, of governance, making sure that um, it's all going through. And, you know, I think of, too, this year for voting. I mean, this is going to be a huge year coming up in 2024. And um, I know for us with the young professionals, we just definitely want to make sure that our voices are heard, making sure that the community's voices are heard, and that a lot of programming is geared towards making sure that you're going out to vote. Um, I mean, I think of even the the local vote that we had um, this past November I went to vote at uh, six o'clock p.m. and of course I, I live in this. I live in the city of Buffalo, and I was number twenty at my polling place. So, um, I mean, I don't think a lot of us know the importance of voting and why it's important. So, um, definitely make sure that we focus on that. If I'm not mistaken, I think the uh, primary elections in the Maston and Ellicott districts back in June, I think, only had 16% yeah. uh, turnout among Democrats. Um, 
so let's let's address that a little bit, Thomas. That you know, well, like Darnell said, shows up at shows up at six o'clock, and there's only been a handful of people there voting. Um, sure, it's 2023, and it's not the big sexy election that's going to come up in 2024. But what about both from an attitude standpoint among voters, and especially voters of of color, um, and these issues that we've been raising? But just you know the the you know what you're kind of sensing about that, and then perhaps. What are going to be the strategies? You know, time is fast running out. Right. So first, let me say that all elections are are important. You know, local elections, and you know, uh, see it on school um, boards. School yeah. boards, all uh, are election. They all in, inform policy. Um, they all kind of roll up um, <clears throat> to the point where you know you're you're even looking at your electoral college, right? So all of this is happening. Um, you know, we we were we, we raised the alarm around the census, um, you right. know, decennial census. We were talking about, you know, we have to be looking at how our district lines are drawn. All these things are, you know, part of our democratic process. And if we don't watch them as they're being assembled, as uh, all of these pieces are so um, so intertwined and so interdependent, we have to look at all of them. Um, certainly there, sh- there should be another level of alarm um, in terms of not only not participating, but watching out for forces that mm-hmm. are uh, eroding, diluting, or you know, just making it more difficult um, to get to those paths of, um, of uh, voting and being, in, and being a part of that, um, the, the whole civic and democratic process. So we, we have to be very vigilant. Di- I'm sorry, very vigilant. Yes. And diligent about uh, what we're what we're doing here. Um, you know, Dar- Darnell spoke about uh, some of the changes. I'm going to shift a little bit. Some of the changes that are, might be happening in corporate America. We have to be very careful about even um, things are uh, being um, homogenized or diluted. We have to be very very careful about those things. Um, because uh, the DEI process was very um, deliberate and intentional, intentional yep. and focused. And, you know, when you start to um, group it with uh, other things, um, not to say that those things aren't are as important, right. uh, environmental um, responsibility um, and, uh, you know, governance, all of those things are certainly um, important, but we don't want to lose sight and uh, have uh, some of this effort um, kind of losing its prioritization um, as a function of being grouped uh, with some other, you know, very um, some some other uh, avenues, some other elements that you know need attention as well. Sure. So, um, I, you know, I would say that uh, you know we have to make sure that we're defending democracy by our, our own actions. Uh, but also be aware of the actions of others, even the slightest, you know, beginning. You know, we're walking into this um, this winter season, right? You know, as kids, you know how you start to build a snowman, right? You start off with this very, very, very small um, snowball, if you will, and you just, you know, if you just keep packing it around, the next thing you know is it becomes this huge other, other thing. So we have to be... Um, we have to be uh, village vigilant again yeah. about uh, how this is happening and make sure that we're in spaces 
um, and speaking up and, you know, and those who, you know, letting voices be heard. And, uh, you know, as an organization, I always say that the Buffalo Urban League, we don't speak for all black and brown people, but we do speak up for them, right? We amplify the voices of our community in spaces where we can. Uh, and then the Urban League as, in and of itself, you know, many would think of us in an empowerment strategy of uh, being uh, social service program administrators, um, but I would say that we're more social justice advocates now. And we do that not just through our services and programs, because we do have our offices uh, and affiliates across the country, but we also have um, our um, uh, office on Capitol Hill, right, where we know that it's just as important to be um, involved in the uh, legislative process to influence the le legislative process. So we also have our Washington Bureau office. Um, we have our conferences during the year. We also have our uh, national legislative policy conference in the, in the spring of every year. where We bring the affiliates from around the country to Washington, D.C. and make sure that we engage our civic leaders, that we um, meet at their offices, that we go to the uh, these many, many uh, large agencies who are responsible for federal programs. Um, and we interact and make sure that uh, we're on their radar and let them know that they're on our radar as well. <laughs> that was going to you kind of let me into where I want to go with this conversation. It's interesting to hear what you were saying, Darnell, about you know, a lot of the DEI uh, initiatives are maybe going away or getting morphed into other things as well. And you, Thomas, used the word, you know, it's not so much you speak for black and brown people, but you speak up for them. Who, and I'm going to put this on to both of you, who else should be speaking up? And I know the answer should be everybody, but there have to, I would think there are key people, key elements of, the, of society that should be speaking and aren't. All right. So I, don't, I, I, will, I, I can't speak on who should not be. Um, what I can talk about is who should be. Right. When we talk about being involved in the selective democratic process, um, then you're electing officials who should share your values, your interests, and, and, and who should be um, advocating in the spaces that you, um, that we, as um, as uh, voting citizens, that where we place them, we place our trust in them, and uh, it is it is our belief that if we um, if we vote for them and we put them in office, that they will uh, they will be acting on in the best interests of of the their constituents. So. You know, I won't say who's not doing this, who's right. not, but I'm, I know what should be done. Gotcha, Darnell. You want to follow? Take a take a stab at that as well. When you think of, you look at the landscape and you say, "Here's a, a sector of society, or here's a, a part of, of of what's going on, and it's just too quiet. It's not getting involved in the conversation." Um, I mean, I, I I agree. I would say it's the same. Your elected officials. I mean, we 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 go to vote and trust this individual. Uh, or individuals, group of individuals that are elected to serve us, to go in, to make these changes, speak for us. Uh, so I would definitely agree with them by saying the elected officials, uh, that's the voice that that should be there for but the community. They don't always listen if uh, if there's not a... Uh, a true voter backlash, then it's not, yeah. you know, if there's not that kind of pushback, right? right so no, there is that. I mean, and, and you know, the Urban League is certainly there... And, you know, to be that voice, that voice of, you know, 
we're not that voice of advocacy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, okay, so we're we're saying we want our youth to come out and vote. And then if you say someone that I think is not participating, participating at the levels that you know we like, we do want, we do need more young people voting. Um, some of them are, you know, kind of looking at the process and saying. You know what does it really change, mm-hmm. or maybe right. they don't see a, a, a candidate that's desirable. Um, but we we need to uh, change that narrative and let them know um, the um, the impact, not only the impact of of voting, but the, the impact of not voting as well, um, and not you know, and your your voice being um, silenced through your own actions um, or inaction for that matter. Um, but um, you know, we are we do consider ourselves um, a uh, champions that fighting for uh, social and economic justice. We do consider ourselves fighting for you know populations that have been historically underserved, um, and you know really trying to give every opportunity for them for their best you know success. Now we've got another well, ten fifteen minutes or so to go here in, in the program. Um, Thomas, you got big plans for your new new headquarters. Moving over to Jefferson Avenue. Oh, that's the plan. Right. Uh, if, if you could, just expand. I mean, I can see why you'd want to be on Jefferson, but um, the time and place and why now? So a few reasons. One is uh, the, you know, the Urban League and its current growth, you know, our current location. We, we've outgrown our current yeah. location, physically outgrown our current location. And we, we reached that point some time ago. And we, we have a few satellite locations. Some of them were strategic, that more strategic than others. Uh, some is, you know, what, what's available, uh, not the right, you know, the right economics. Um, but we want to be, you know, in what we're trying to do now to get the, the, to optimize and to get the best return on our efforts and resources we know that we have to be very deliberate and very intentional. So our move to Jefferson Avenue was one out of necessity in that we needed to, the decision is, was that uh, we wanted to, um, we needed to move out of the space we're in or we need a, a larger space than what we were in. We looked at our collective um, footprint um, and what it might um, take to have a space that could service the organization for um, the, the growth that is already um uh, co- accomplished, and then also where we feel the organization is going strategically. Um, and then we wanted something that uh, we could co-locate some of our services, and there, there would be some synergies and some, you know, a better way to serve our community there. Um, we wanted to go, we looked at different locations on the east side. Uh, we were birthed on the east side of Buffalo. Is that right? Yeah. That's correct. So we were birthed on the east side of Buffalo and had had a few locations there, Um we're currently located in downtown um, um, uh, Buffalo. Uh, so, you know, we looked at a few places and we thought that uh, not only what would be best for us, but where could we have the most impact um, um, economically, spurring growth, um, creating hope, igniting additional hope. And also, um, you know, we knew that wherever we moved, we were going to do something su- substantial. Um, it's not just our headquarters, but we, you know, our plan is to create a campus. So it'll be larger than our head, you know, just our our headquarters space. It will include some other commercial space, and uh, you know, right now 
we're trying to go through the strategic process of understanding, you know, what we're going to be doing in the housing space as well there. So it's going to be more expansive than, you know, where we are now. So you're going to have housing in there? You want it is our intention to have housing, and we're working, we're working strategically through, you know, our, we have a development committee set, set apart to, to guide us here and to inform us here. But we're looking at all, you know, all of that um, as we move through uh, this plan. Um, and it may be a phased approach, uh, but, um, you know, all of those are things that we have considered. They are not um, foreign to other Urban League affiliates. I will say of those 90 affiliates, if you see one Urban League affiliate, you see one Urban League affiliate. <laughs> you know, while we're empowered, uh, to, you know, many of our programming, you know, under of the umbrella of the National Urban League, uh, um, we we take some of the program from, from there, um, some of it is almost uh, is spread across most of it, uh, but you know each one is empowered um, to serve their community with programming as they best can, and what you know that's most relevant to their community. So we know right now this community is poised for. Um, we need economic growth. We need uh, you know all of these uh, again issues of social determinants of health and wealth, the food insecurity. Um, all of the years and years and years of, uh, you know, institutional racism that impacted this community, the lack of investment that's been there. So we thought Jefferson was a, a place, it, you know, that we would land, that we could have that type of impact, um, help create some critical, additional critical mass there and um, spur uh, growth. And we know that there are projects happening um, all across the east side of Buffalo, but you know, we do wanted to be a part of, um, you know, this this renaissance. You know, uh, conventional wisdom has taught us before that, and in many other cities, you know, this whole rising tide theory that if you built up your downtown, if you built up your waterside, then certainly the the economic um, growth from that, the economic impact of that, would um, kind of be spread out to you know reverberate throughout the city. But we saw that not to be the case on the on the east side, when you could see um, just on, you know, east or west of of Main Street, just the stark uh, stark differences, you know, and um, so we know some of that was intentional over years and years and years. So the response to that um, has to be intentional and very deliberate as well. We know that the impact. Or the the issues were multifaceted, so the response to that has to be multifaceted, uh, and we want to be, you know, um, a part of that. We want to um, be on the leading edge of that, um, and you know, uh, just you know, timing is. Uh, is the timing so, good right now? Timing is good right now. Um, timing is good right now. You know, people will question economic conditions, but for us, uh, you know, we've we've uh, been in some some we've been studying this for some time internally, uh, and um, we know that this is this is a time where we believe that the community is very deserving of uh, all all the resources that we've been able to garner, all those all the work, all the support that they've given the Urban League over the years. We want to. Um, help be a part and help steward the growth in this community. Um, one of the reasons we want to do that is because it's not a question of if there's going to be 
development on the, in, on the east side of Buffalo or when. Because if you're talking about location, 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 you know, you want to be next to the medical corridor, you're there. You want to be, you know, blocks away from Canal Side, the east side is there. If you want to be near the theater district, if you want to be near the, even the African Heritage Corridor or go to, um, you know, and all these new amenities that are popping up, you know, it's almost a new frontier. So it will happen. Um, the the the, uh, the the question is when it happens, you know who will have equity in it? Um, equity in all in not only its uh, evolved future state, but as it is evolving, as it is growing, will they be part of the businesses? Will it be part of the jobs, the workforce that's created as this is happening? And when we get to this future state of development, you know we're the safeguards will be development without displacement. Well, those individuals who have been long-term residents who've been through these, been in these areas for the, um, you know, through the worst of times, uh, will they still be able to be residents in its uh, future um, and, you know, a better state, if you will? So that's a very, very tricky process, um, and it, it requires um, a lot of stewardships through, um, through change in... Uh, policies through change in programming and resources, um, and you, you, you'll know in, in recent news that other organizations are being as deliberate and focused on you know the east side of Buffalo. So yes, we want to be we wanted to be part of that momentum. You know, you, I, I'm not going to get into it anymore, but you touched on a big thing there, though. And it doesn't get a lot of talk about it, the idea that it almost uh, there's a certainty of redevelopment coming to the east yeah. side, but who is going to benefit and who is going to live there when that is, as like you said, as it's being accomplished. Darnell, I just want to turn, because I saw you nod your head when Thomas was talking about some of the projects that are going on in the east side, and you kind of gave, you gave a, like a look of a, a affirmative, and we'll maybe turn this more to your, your banking um, uh, background to a certain extent. But uh, what what excites you, I guess I should say? Uh, maybe are, are, are there those types of projects on the east side that, are, you know, these are things we should be hopeful for. Um, you know, I agree. Uh, I mean, not just even um, my my position with the Urban League, as well as with my position with the bank. Um, I also sit on, on different boards uh, within throughout the city. Uh, example, List New York. And there's different um, programs and funding that we're bringing to East Buffalo. Uh, so just seeing uh, the funds that are there, but a lot of the individuals don't know that to have access to those funds. So um, just, just seeing the the project, for example, um, of the Urban Link that's going to be going on Jefferson, uh, you have the Say Yes building that's there now. The Urban Link also has a, a location now on Jefferson, still there, the Resilience Center. But just seeing those different projects there, um, it just shows. I actually grew up on Jefferson. Oh. So uh, just to see those different developments coming in that area is great. Okay. All right. Very good. So you're you're bullish on this or, or should, I mean, you know, you never know how the economic things go, and we've, yeah. we've got into a little bit more about national issues and things along those lines. But do you think that you have a, a good, strong feeling? About I do. That? Yeah. I, I definitely do, and even even from a, a banking standpoint too. Um, I mean, you have uh, uh, two banks that's on, in that area uh, that's there just to help the community to be more financially sound, to bring financial wellness to that area. Uh, so I think there's a lot uh, over the next few years that you'll see come in with, between that east side corridor. Is there still, though, uh, 
a struggle, though, for uh, minority-owned businesses locally to get the capital that they they need to uh, to thrive? Um, I will say there is a struggle, but, um, of course, um, I know we had spoke earlier. Right. Uh, a lot of institutions now uh, are developing programs to, one, make sure that there are programs available for minorities that may lack in access to capital as well as on the credit side to become business owners. I'm going to st- finish this up our conversation with a call to action. I'm going to start with, we'll start with um, Darnell and then we'll come back to Thomas on this. What do you want your call to action to be? To just it's kind of the things we've talked about here, whatever constituency you want to talk to, what do, what do you want to see action-wise? Action-wise, uh, I'll say, and I'll, and I'll throw this out to, um, of course, the young professionals, 21 to 40, is to uh, just make sure that, one, you're able to to reach out to another individual or another professional to let them know that there's access to funding, uh, to become a business owner, to become that professional here in Buffalo. Um, we're looking, like you said, the, the theme of the Urban League or the motto for the Urban League is uh, to empower the community. Uh, we're looking to empower, to improve, and uh, I'm just ready, one, to take force in 2024. Nice. Thomas, how about for you? I mean, we, you, you've touched on a lot of things here today, but uh, in, a, in a statement or two, the call to action that you want from our listening audience is listening to you right now. No, so so there's a lot. I, I, I'll start. I'll just uh, close by saying, <clears throat> th- you know, this whole empowerment stru- uh, strategy, this whole new type of energy that we're trying to bring, this community has every reason to, you know, have uh, be skeptical about, you know, what's going to change this time. You know, so many times that you know promises have been made not kept uh you know the trust has been put in in with uh to people uh to institutions and uh you know they've been failed you know even working as hard as they possibly could and have done everything that they possibly could and then you know it's kind of uh we you know it's almost like that that charlie brown thing where you know, he goes to kick the football, and Lucy just pulls it out from under them every time. It's just, it's just so much of that that, you know, someone could take. But I will say be encouraged and, you know, do not let the, um, you know, these the past experiences, as hard as that might be, you know, because uh, these are not just experience. This is over time and repetitively, repetitively it becomes trauma. So, you know, we have to um, be informed, and, and, we you know, we're trying to help this community move forward understanding the trauma, not just the incidents of trauma, but, you know, the generational trauma and all the ancestral trauma that's here in this community as we move forward. And, um, you know, we're here. We have that kind of cultural um, understanding. Um, We understand, we have an understanding of what these uh, challenges have been in the past. And, you know, the Urban League is here to help fight for this community. And, um, you know, when, this is, when we say this community, that our employees are from this community. I'm, you know, we're of this community, um, so we understand that trauma, and we um, are here to um, to help fight and move this community forward. Now, Thomas, every time you, you, I ask you a question, you give me a, like three more other questions, but we're out, <laughs> out of time. <laughs> I did a pre- I do appreciate that. Uh, Thomas Buford Jr. is the president and CEO of the Buffalo Urban League. And uh, Darnell Haywood Jr. is the uh, president of the Young Professionals. Gentlemen, thanks for taking time from your very busy schedules to join us on What's Next. Thank you. Thank you.
This is What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.